Policies of Exclusion, Poverty, and Health, Stories from the Front. Compiled Introduction and Reports by Crystal Ocean. Copyright 2005, Wise Group. Episode 19. The Stories. Cherie. Method. Interview. I was an angry, angry, very angry child. What infuriates me the most is the silence. Nobody will come out and say anything. I imagined my future as a Cinderella story. I washed the walls, I washed the floors, I cooked, I cleaned, and one day my prince would come. He never did. I've had lots of toads, but no princes. I wanted to become a lawyer. I wanted to be able to work and be the justice. I wanted to be able to say, Hey, you're not allowed to do that to that person. And have the legal right to be able to help women and children from abused families. I wanted to have a great big home, the opposite of those Christian homes or the Catholic places they sent kids to, the residential schools. I wanted to have a big school where all the kids would be happy. My father had children from a previous marriage, and so did my mother. I remember a lot of the good times, my mother being caring and my brothers and my family all together. And then, all of a sudden, she died. That was before I turned five. After that, my life was a living hell. I've always hated the way I looked. I was fair-skinned. I had light hair. I wasn't status. I was considered Caucasian by the native community and by the government, but the white people would look at me, you're a native. I was hated and ridiculed by my family and my peers. I was nothing. I was nobody. I would never amount to anything, no matter how I tried, where I tried, or who I tried with. I was adopted. I was found in the ditch. I was found in the garbage. That was what they told me. I was beat up physically every day. By the time I turned five, I was made into a sexual object for a half-uncle. Until I was eleven or twelve, my grandmother sent me there, for him, knowing full well what he was doing to me. She didn't care. You're just a bitch. You're just a whore. I didn't know what that was. Sometimes I'd take a knife and I'd stand there wanting to cut my face up, to slice my body up, and say, Now are you going to love me? This is what you want to rape? You're not raping my soul. You can't touch that. I'm not allowing you to go there. This is for the Creator. He gave it to me, a gift, to be able to love people for who they are. They tried to shut me down. They were trying to destroy who I was inside. I moved to whoever would take me. When I would get happy somewhere, my dad would come and take me, because my grandmother wanted me in the house. She'd get X amount of dollars for me there. Plus, I knitted for her. I made sweaters, I made money, I picked berries, I cooked, I cleaned, I did absolutely everything. I don't regret being up at four or five in the morning, at four or five years old, 
going to different households and making them their tea in the morning and their coffee and scrambled eggs. They'd all sit around and take turns talking to me. I'd go there and build their fires at such a young age. That's just tradition, how we raise our children, to be fully participant and be somebody. There was no I, me, mine. It's all ours, us, we in our language. You're somebody. You're special. You're a little person right from the very beginning. You're sacred. I had only one person in my life at the time who was saying I wasn't sacred. That was my grandmother. I was married when I was sixteen. I'd had a tubal pregnancy and almost died. The doctors had to do an emergency operation, told me I'd probably never have children because of all the stuff that had happened to me as a child. I was so devastated, so hurt, because I'd wanted to have children all my life. My husband and I got a divorce. Met this guy that I'd known since I was a kid, and we got together at nineteen. It happened just the once, and I was pregnant. It was just like, oh my God, I could feel my body change. It was just an incredible feeling. I was praying on my knees for days and days and days, please God, give me a baby, just one, to have somebody who loves me and to have somebody for me to love that they wouldn't take away, to have my own family, something that's my own, mine, me, my breath, my life. I was blessed. I had my son. Then there's my daughter. I was blessed twice. My son was three and a half when he was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. I started reading up on everything I could about MD. When I was pregnant, I went out and read books on pregnancy. I think I've lost that somewhere, that get up and go. I'm so, so tired. Just enough to live, to be able to survive, to jockey all the things going on. I hated the doctors. They did tests after tests after tests. They'd say, Why don't you have a house? Why don't you have a husband? Why don't you have money? Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you? Not, you're doing so well considering you're a single mom and trying your best. Your son seems to be such a happy child. When my children were two and a half and three and a half, I was raped. My kids were locked in a dark room and heard their mother screaming for hours and hours and hours. When the cops got there, he was standing behind the door, holding my daughter on his hip with his hand on her neck. My daughter, my baby. Because I didn't say no after a certain amount of time, they didn't classify it as rape. The cops took my statement and put me on a bus with my children. I hadn't even gone to see a doctor. My son would get a lot more help if I wasn't here, a lot more help from the government. They would have somebody else to clean his room, somebody else to come and do his laundry, somebody else to help him with his cooking needs. Other than me, somebody who's tired. They've told me so but they expect me to abandon him first. My son has a medical condition. He's slowly dying of it. So I tried to seek counseling for myself. I'm supposed to be on a regular schedule, but I've seen the psychiatrist once. 
The government said that if I needed help and I couldn't deal with my stressful life as a single mother, they would take my children from me and put me somewhere where I could get help. They have tried twice to remove my children from my home because I needed help dealing with stress and all my financial burdens. The stress is simply for lack of funds. They're keeping me in poverty. The poverty has an extreme effect on how I feel about myself. It shouldn't, but it does. I can't dress like I want to dress. I can't conduct my life like I want to conduct my life. I can't contribute. I'm not a whole person. I'm limited. I'm shackled. I'm handcuffed to poverty with no way out. No matter what I do, or what I say, or who I approach, they look at me and say, You don't have transportation. You don't have a steady babysitter. You don't have a phone. I don't, 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 don't have. But if I don't have a job, I can't get it. It makes me feel real heavy, real sad. People are so mean, and I don't understand. Once I had a two-story house, luxurious hutches and coffee tables, end tables, entertainment systems. I was building a life with somebody, put $20,000 into a house. All of a sudden, it's gone, and I can't get it back. Now my home is a rental apartment. The fridge has holes in it. You can see light when the door is closed. I'm still ashamed of my place, where I live, my circumstances. I have a vehicle that was given to me. But can I afford the upkeep of it? No, I can't. Can I afford the gas in it? No, I can't. Can I afford the insurance for it? No, I can't. Can I live without it? No, I can't. So I budget, 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 stay home and do nothing. I don't buy myself juices. We live on powder or water. I try to make sure my son has milk every day. As for fresh fruits and fresh vegetables, that's next to nothing. I eat a lot of native food, fish, deer meat, because it's free. I don't buy a lot of everything. I did go to the Salvation Army. I have never been to the food bank. I guess my pride. I just can't. It's begging to me. I can't beg my family for anything. I can't beg society. I did all kinds of begging when I was growing up. Please don't hit me. Please love me. Please look at me as a person. Now I won't beg anybody for anything. Ten years ago I used to fish, crab trap, and I made lots of money. I used to have a great big walk-in freezer where I'd have three turkeys at all times, half a pig and a quarter of beef. I used to walk out of the grocery with two carts full of food. All the neighborhood kids would come over, and I never said no to one. I was like a free drop-in center. Today I don't have food. I don't have money. I feel like a part of me is being smothered. Can't share. Can't help. I'm on a waiting list for B.C. housing. I'm on a waiting list for native housing. I'm on a waiting list for every housing imaginable. It has to be wheelchair accessible. Then B.C. housing isn't exactly a nice environment, because people there are in such dire straits. I don't have a telephone. 
I have a computer because my son is in a wheelchair and that's his only access to the outside world. That's expensive. He's now just getting $175 instead of $481 a month because they said he's not disabled. Because you're status native, everybody thinks that your dental plan is taken care of. It's not. I probably need two root canals and have about eight cavities, but you're only allowed to have a certain amount done each year. You have X amount of dollars, like everybody else, to spend to get your teeth done. The thing is, you can't just walk in and get your teeth done. You have to walk in, get an appointment, and then they phone for approval, which can take anywhere from three to six months. Meanwhile, you have a toothache. Public financial assistance doesn't meet my needs. When I was younger, I knit and picked berries to survive. As I got older, I got to work, and I was single, and I had nobody else to worry about. It was the most liberating feeling that I could ever, ever feel. Then I had my children, I got on the welfare system, and that was a horrifying experience. I'd never wish that on any young mother. They act like God, like the money's coming out of their bank account. How about going after the deadbeat fathers is hard? I get to have a roof over my head. That's it. It's not enough to have a telephone. It's not enough to buy one bra, never mind three pairs of underwear. Not for a job interview. I'm in the hole. I have two bank accounts, both in the minus. I have to walk everywhere. My welfare check that I got today is already gone. It's direct deposit, but I already owe money for last month's food. If I had a truck, and if I had gas, and if I had a boat, I'd go fishing, I'd go hunting, I'd get my own food. I'd like to grow my own vegetables, and have my own little pig, my own little cow, and my own chickens. Being on BC Benefits is very degrading. I feel like a poodle, on show in a circus ring. Granted, I'm not as well-groomed. You have to jump through this, and you have to land in that circle, and you have to look pretty while you're doing it. You're not allowed to show emotion. You're not allowed to feel frustration. You're supposed to be oh so happy, oh so grateful to get it. It's sickening. It makes me feel ill. You're treated like you're four years old, and they send your rent check direct. You don't have the privilege of your landlord not knowing. That's really insulting to a lot of people. You have to fight to have it deposited into your account so you can have enough pride in being able to pay it yourself. To help me find work? Make sure I don't have to worry about my rent. Give me $500 worth of food. Take care of my son so I can go look for work and not worry about whether he slipped and fell in the bathroom to be able to know that he's fine. Get me a wheelchair-accessible house so he can take care of himself. If I want to kill myself, I know how to do it. I struggle with myself sometimes, like an everyday thing. I want to, I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to. What pulls me back, I don't know. That I might make a difference to somebody? 
I'd like to create my own little paradise, a piece of land where I can build a nice hotel. I'm not going to hire the people who've always had a job. I want somebody who hasn't been able to get a job for the last ten years, and who wants one so desperately. Then I'll have somebody who drives to pick up all the workers. If you can do it for tree spacers, why can't you do it for anybody else? Why can't you do it for women who want to work? I'm in hiding right now in this little place. I'm trying to gather my energy to go out in the world and say, Okay, here I am again. Let's try it again. One more time. Let's get it right, people. I think I'm so stupid sometimes, seriously, because I go out there and try again. I really, honestly think that I'm going to find someone who's going to help. It won't go away. I just believe.